Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kiston. I am so thankful, so grateful that you're here spending your time and energy with me wherever you are in the world, doing whatever it is you may be doing. I truly appreciate it. If you haven't already done so, if you can take a brief moment after you check out this episode, head to wherever you get your podcasts. If you can share it, subscribe, leave a rating or review. It'll do so much to help the podcast grow. And again, from the bottom of my heart, I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, it's it's fun times right now as we're marching into spring. Um, so just trying to, trying to hang in there. Uh, it's been already a busy day, busy week, but I'd rather be busy than not be busy, right? That's the goal. Uh, super excited about our guest here today. She's um, she was sharing with you a little earlier that she's a whole health educator, and there's a lot to unpack there. And I was really fascinated because what she does and her journey is really a direct consequence, approximate consequence and result of her experience. And I'm really, I'm really curious to dive into her story. Um, so I'd like to welcome to the Adulthood Revisit podcast, Jennifer Rentolo. Jennifer, how are you? And welcome to the Adulthood Revisit podcast. Hello, Richard. I am well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so let's hop right into it because there's, I think I'm, like even my own life, I think mindfulness, awareness, and self-care are things that I, I never gave any thought to until these most recent years of my life. So increasingly, they play a bigger role and I'm trying to understand more and more. Um, and I know that you've been doing that for a while, but why don't you take us back? Because you've got... Your, your history is varied and, you know, some of the things in your background, you're a registered nurse, um, health coach, personal trainer, uh, Reiki practitioner, practitioner and healer, author. So there's a lot, right? And that, I don't think very many people are born with all those, um, all those skills and, and sort of attributes at their disposal. So why don't you share with us a little about your background, who you are and your journey to get here today? Yes, no, absolutely. Well, first off, what you just said about like trying to get there with the mindfulness and the self-care, I say like insert eye roll here because when you talk, those are the buzzwords that people roll their eyes and go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But they they seem these concepts that are so unattainable. I was that way. I was this type A, go, go, I'm going to achieve, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to fix that. Um and it's amazing how life has a way of presenting things in your life to say, um, hello, you're on the wrong path. Um, so I started out my adult life as a RN. I was, um, I finished up my degree um, getting a master's in nursing administration, thinking I was going to change healthcare and the issues in healthcare that way. Um, I worked in critical care, absolutely thrived. I loved the critical care setting and the sort of like, you know, let me figure this out. And I thrived in chaos. It was like the adrenaline would pump and I would thrive in chaos and okay, let's buckle down and let's, you know, figure this out. I had my first son and I had all these ideals about what parenthood was going to be like. Everything was great. My son, everything was working. Like I was going to be the kind of parent that did X, Y, Z. My child was going to be X, Y, Z. And then I had my second son. And it was like the universe wanted to be like, oh, you think so, do you? Let me just show you really what, what, what lies ahead or what the truth is and where your path really needs to go. So my second son had a massive neonatal stroke at birth and scheduled C-section. Everything was fine. And then literally an hour after he was born, I was like, where's my baby? And they, they said, I'm sorry, you know, we're not really sure what's going on with him. He's seizing and we had to do some tests. Um, I had him in a community hospital. So they did some tests and they realized it was kind of more than they could handle. So they had to send him to Children's Hospital in Boston where they could do further tests and really monitor him better um, there. So having a C-section, I couldn't go with him. They took my baby, my husband went with him and I was in the hospital. And I remember waking up in this, I call it a Demerol fog because you know, I'm all drugged up after the C-section waking up to all the babies crying, my baby's nowhere around, feeling so sorry for myself and sort of stuck in that like 
this is not the way it was supposed to be. I'm supposed to have my baby with me. We're supposed to be having visitors right now. I'm supposed to hold my baby like I did with my other son. And I got this really resonating message that said, just breathe. So I took some deep breaths and all of a sudden it was like this fog lifted and this clarity came. And then I got the message of, you just need to be with your son. He will, you need to connect with your son. He will show you and let you know what you need. And I was really blessed to have a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, I should also say I'm married to a surgeon. <laughs> so my husband, the surgeon, is laboring over neonatal intensive care books when I arrived at the hospital. And we have a, a dear friend who is also a surgeon and his wife is a Reiki practitioner, yogi, was into all the spiritual stuff that I kind of didn't really understand and sort of didn't take the time or was like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I get it. I roll, right? Um I called her and she said, honey, you just need to be with your child. He's going to let you know exactly what you need. And I need to train you in Reiki because he's going to need Reiki. I thought, okay, it's amazing what you won't do for yourself. But as soon as your child or you're in a situation where you feel like, okay, I really don't know what to do here. You open to anything. So that's what I did. And I really, I, I was very clear and very hopeful on all I need to do is connect to this kid. I need to be present and show up in this kid's life. And I need to let him tell me, sort of take all those expectations and just throw them out the window. So I learned Reiki. I reconnected to my gifts, my intuition, um, because I had sort of closed the door on that um, as a child. Um, And so I really, especially with the Reiki, the Reiki helped sort of open up that pathway. And I connected to the angels. I connected to the guides. I connect, I really got clear with that inner voice inside of me that told me, nope, this is not it. Or yes, this is it. Or this is what you need to do. Um, I got, I became a personal trainer because I knew he needed help moving. He did not move his right side. So um, all these tools I learned um, to help my son and really to connect with my son, like every toy I bought was had a purpose, had a reason for him. Um, then I had my third son. Actually, the same day I found out I was pregnant with my fourth son, I found out my third son had leukemia. And what was amazing with this is that I had all the tools. I had that intuitive connection already. I had the Reiki. So I did Reiki on him every single day in the hospital. Um, to kind of help clear out all the negative effects of the chemotherapy. Um, I had the information, I had nutrition, but I learned that I wanted more information about nutrition. Just like with my son, I knew a little bit about the brain. My son that had the stroke, I wanted more information about the brain and the pathways of the brain, how I could help him rewire that brain. So I really dove into anything and everything I could do to help my kids from a very intuitive guided place. But in the meantime, I was so busy putting out fires that I burned myself out because I didn't take time for myself. I didn't connect to myself. I didn't care for myself. I was so busy showing up for everybody else. So I wound up having my health suffer. I had massive migraine headaches. One, I thought I was having a stroke. Um, And I had gastrointestinal issues, which are all signs of absolute stress overwhelm. I was depressed. I was anxious. I had all these things. So then I really dove into mindfulness and and learned to manage myself by being in the present moment. Because with all that I had on my plate, I couldn't look to the future because that's where the overwhelm and the anxiety came. I really had to just sit and be, be in the present moment and be in control of what I could control, which was me, my actions, my choices, my connection in the present moment. So that's kind of what I do now is I try to help people figure out what the underlying issue in their health is or what's throwing them out of balance, nine times out of 10 at stress, and how to reconnect to their mind, body, and spirit messages so they can best manage and thrive instead of just survive in their life. Yeah. I want to thank you for sharing that. I mean, for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with with your your two sons um, as you were going through that. I want to, if, if you don't mind, dive back 
yeah. when when you gave birth to your second child. Yes. And what was like what was the experience that you were if, if you can remember at all the emotions? Here you are, you're a registered nurse, your husband's a surgeon, and like you spend your days, your job helping others. Yeah. I could almost, I mean, I'm assuming there was a sense of helplessness oh, yeah. um, and frustration that, you know, this was going this way in contrast to, I, I don't know if your first son was a, let's call it a clean birth, but. Yeah. First son was fine. He was like the golden child. Everything was <laughs> as I had imagined. <laughs> it was like, ah, parenthood, you know, what's everybody else's problem. Right. So what, right. Were, if you can go back and take us to what you were experiencing yeah. and feeling Especially in contrast to, again, like this, you shared that this wasn't supposed to be this way. Right. Um, did you feel any, any sense of like guilt, shame, all the things? Like, what was that like? Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting, Richard, is in the moment and exactly as a nurse with my husband, I think more than myself, but there's this feeling of I'm supposed to fix this. Like I'm supposed to take care of, I'm supposed to, and almost like a grieving of what is because it's not what you expected it to be. It's like a little bit of a grieving period. Um, I will say I have always been a person that felt like, as I said earlier, that kind of thrived in chaos. And I've always been a person that sort of looked at situations and challenges as opportunities for growth and, and learning and evolving. So I can't remember really ever having a, a moment where I was thinking, why is this happening to me? Except for, um, you know, when I'd hear, and it more so when my son had cancer, hearing people complain about sort of their lives or feeling like they, they, their life was so hard sometimes it was hard to be around that knowing what I had on my plate, not saying that what I had was more than what they had, but going through what I was going through, there were moments of kind of like, I can't be around this. Like I, it was almost like an energetic, the negativity. I couldn't be around the negativity because I, I was holding on to light and to positivity. I was holding on to something to give me hope, to give me purpose, to give me, um, you know, to, to kind of like keep me going, you know, and I didn't need to be held down. Or I didn't need people hold me down. I do remember later on when I was sort of recognizing that I had to do the work on myself. I do remember unpacking some shame baggage there because they couldn't figure out originally what happened to my son, why he had the stroke. And it turned out I had this thing called MTHFR, which is a genetic mutation that, um, doesn't allow me to produce an enzyme that converts uh, that converts uh, folic acid into L-methylfolate. That's a whole science kind of thing. I don't want to get into that. I'm happy to, I, I know a lot about it because I have it and a couple of my kids have. Anyway, it turns out um, the when you hyper, so what happens when you're pregnant, they give you high dose folic acid. Well, my body hyper metabolizes folic acid and the byproduct is something called homocysteine, which creates clots in the body. So my son's APGARs, so when a child's born, they do sort of a test. The APGARs were nine and nine, which are high, right? So he was doing really well right at birth. So they didn't look at my placenta or anything to figure out what was wrong because he was fine. It wasn't an, until an hour after he was born that things started to happen. So in retrospect, if they had looked at my placenta, they probably would have seen microclots in the placenta, which got thrown to him and created the stroke. So there was a part of me that was like, I did that, right? I, there's like, he's this way because I, I did that. And I had to work on that and realize, no, I truly believe. And now I can look back and say, this child and this experience completely changed my life. He is my greatest teacher. And he is truly a person who showed me my path, who really was like, no, 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 this is what you need to do. He reconnected me to my soul, if you will. Wow. That's, that's really, really powerful. Um, I, I don't have children, but I could only imagine like that. And then on this side of it, like that, great that you've, you've managed to like look at it as a gift in, in what it is. Yeah. Um, 
I want to dive back to. He's challenging. So he's 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 a gift that makes me want to pull my hair <laughs> out and cry and laugh and. But yes, <laughs> let's just be real. It's not I like got oh, it. all roses and wonderful. No. <laughs> the the that that period after your friend had reached out, he spoke to you and, and suggested Reiki. Yes. Um, up until that time as an RN and in, in the medical practice and also maybe some, as you were pursuing masters and maybe management, yeah. how was, was, and in the intro, we shared that, you know, the buzzwords, mindfulness, self-care, those are things that you, you grew into yes. At that time. Did you see yourself in like figuring out how am I going to, how am I going to like be with my child? How am I going to help my child? Were you in that frame of mind that it's about mindfulness or so, or, or were you, you looking at it as like, I need to figure out medicine or Western medicine or treatment? What was, what was your game plan then? And how did that evolve in, in working with your son? So um, my husband was like, I need to figure this out scientifically, logically. I didn't go there. I was, okay, I need to connect to this child and I need to figure out who he is and what he needs and understand what his challenges are so I can tune into what his strengths are and help him overcome. You know, here's an example. Um, and, and a big part of this is also really connecting soul-wise to what you know to be true inside versus what the outside is telling you you should, need, have to do, right? So... My son had major learning challenges, anxiety, all this stuff. So I was taking him to a, neuro, a neuropsych evaluation probably around when he was about first grade. And I remember getting, I'd sit down with the neuropsychologist and they'd kind of go over the, the feedback. And at this point, things were hard. I mean, he was having meltdowns. He, his mood was all over the place. He was very impulsive. He was very frustrating. He had severe anxiety where he was literally like, if he could crawl back into the womb, he would have kind of deal. And it's exhausting. It was hard for my older son. It was hard for my younger son at that time. At that time I had, a, I had two, you know, four kids. So um, we took him to the uh, neuropsychologist and we sit down, I sit down, my husband was working and she proceeds to tell me, your son has a low IQ, he'll never be able to do this or this. And it was like, she couldn't even get past the intro and I was overwhelmed, like couldn't breathe crying. And I was like, you have to stop. You just have to stop. I just need to get my, need to gather myself for a minute. And I remember going outside and I called my dad, who's my rock. And I said, I can't believe this. This is what he's, you know, this, they're telling me this. And he said, Jenny, you know, your son, is he a low IQ? This is a kid that wanted to see out the window and brought a coffee can over to the window to climb up on so he could look out the window. That's not a low IQ. You know, you have to listen to what you know and forget about what other people are telling you based on numbers or a test. And so that, that was key for me. That was a really powerful moment for me because it really almost gave me permission to kind of dismiss what people were saying to me and to trust my own inner guide and my own inner wisdom. And I kind of always like that, to be honest, to answer your question. I always kind of have been a person that's very connected to like soul. I've always been a connector, if you will. So I, 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 the logic and the overthinking is what throws me out of balance when I get too much in my head. So I was really allowing my soul and what I know inside to, to guide me. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you take us then to that the the day or time where again you learn that you're having a fourth child but your that your third child is dealing with leukemia yeah maybe if if you want to share a little about that experience yeah. but also how maybe you felt better prepared more empowered yeah. to deal with it in that very moment where where you heard that diagnosis yeah well I will say I was one of those people that thought, 
oh God, I could never handle blah, 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 right? I remember being in the hospital with my second son for his neuro cl uh, clinic visits, looking at the kids in wheelchairs, looking at the bald kids in the cancer ward thinking, well, at least I don't have, excuse me, at least I don't have to deal with that. And then fast forward, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I have, right? So you never know what you can handle until you have to handle it, right? That's the big lesson in that one. So as a nurse, I sort of kicked myself for not seeing the signs with my son. He was tired. He was having little, like he had a huge bruise on his, on his mouth. He just didn't have the energy. He had a distended belly. Now, if I went back into my pediatric nursing, I would have been like, oh my God, I think my son has leukemia. Never went there. My mind never went there. So I remember being in the hospital or in the pediatrician and she's checking his liver and she says, I'm sorry, his, his liver's enlarged. And I was like, oh, okay, do we need to go have a, a ultrasound or something? And she was like, Jen, like they wouldn't say it because they assumed I knew. And yes, I have the knowledge, but in that moment when you're a parent or even sometimes when it's like directly related to you, my mind didn't go there. My husband said he kind of had that suspicion, but he wouldn't let his mind go there. And so I was like, completely overwhelmed. I remember showing up at uh, Dana-Farber at the gym at Dana-Farber and Children's Hospital where, where my son was treated. I remember showing up there and they hand me this file that was like, you know, six inches thick. And they were like, this is the next two years of your life. And I'm like, wait, what? Like it was, I was overwhelmed because I, again, they're trying to have me think like way in the future and your mind, if you let your mind go there, all these what ifs start going. And I literally had to, that's where the mindfulness comes in. I really had to pull myself back and be like one day at a time, just one day at a time. Like I had some amazing friends. One, um, one of my friends was a nurse practitioner in the well, vis well clinic um, for kids with cancer. Another friend of mine has a daughter, had a daughter that had leukemia. So I reached out to them. I was like, for one of you, the one nurse practitioner was like, just tell me that, tell me some good news here. Tell me, like, give me some hope. And then the one that had a child that went through this, I was like, how do I do this and make it okay for my other kids? Like, how do I manage this? Because it was all in hospital stuff. I had to live in the hospital with my son. And my husband and I took turns. And literally, that's where day by day, I didn't know it was mindfulness at the time, but it was mindfulness that got me through that experience. Um, and, you know, I was like bewildered, but again, it's like that critical care nurse in me was like, okay, this is what we got. Let's deal with it. Let's like, just march out. What, what do we have to do? Okay. These kids check. I got these guys covered. I have an amazing community where I live who everybody showed up. So here's another thing. I have always been the first one to give to others and help others, but I had a really hard time receiving from others receiving help from others. And it was almost like these two experiences, you know, like with my son that had the stroke, we were in the hospital for a week and I accepted help then, but then I got home from the hospital. I was like, okay, I'm good. Well, this time around, it was like, uh, I'll take whatever, whatever people. I remember ladies coming over to do my laundry that I didn't even know. And I'm like, oh my God, my underwear is all over the town. <laughs> like, What's happening? But I had to like learn to let go of control. So all of this was purposeful, I feel like. All of this were lessons for me to grow and develop so I could better manage whatever came my way, right? If, if so, you can, powerful. I feel like a lot of people, that last, that last item you mentioned, like uh, receiving help or, or being accepting of, whether it's money, whether it's offering of, of time and, and energy, what for you think, if, if you look back on that, what for you helped to be okay with saying yes to others wanting to help out and contribute in your life? So I had, again, my, my dear friend, Bonnie, who said to me, honey, how do you feel when you help other people? I said, I feel awesome. I feel purposeful. I feel like you know, it's the next best thing to kind of taking their burden. And she said, then why are you robbing people of that feeling? And that was to me like, okay. 
And then, you know, my mom said to me, when other people help you, it frees you up to be there for your other boys. And it was, it was like letting other people help me allowed me to show up more fully in my life and, and show up and take care of, at that point, I wasn't really taking care of myself. I was sort of in survival mode, but for me, what drives me is making everything okay for my kids. So, you know, having somebody cook my meals and do my laundry made it so when I was home, my husband and I alternated, he'd be in the hospital one day, I'd be home, and then we'd switch. And um, when I was home with my boys, I was able to be fully present, like play with them and do all that stuff. And then I was able to rest, which I needed because I was pregnant. So I, I was able to rest and kind of rejuvenate. I was able to I live by the ocean and the water is like therapy for me. So before I'd go into the hospital to relieve my husband, I'd go for a walk on Cranes Beach, which is near me. And it like helped anchor me and make it so I could kind of be there for my son in the hospital. Right. So um, it was, it was pretty cool. I remember, <laughs> I remember actually teaching the nurses how to use Reiki. Some of them had gone and gotten like a, a CEU for Reiki, but they really didn't know how to use it. So I sort of trained people in the hospital, like, okay, come here. This is how you're going to do this. This is how you use this. This is how you, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And then we did a whole like fundraising thing. So that was another thing is when I receive help and I let people help me, it like feeds my energy. It allows me to have more energy. And then in the end, I know I'm always going to give back, right? And so, like, we did a big fundraiser for um, Dana-Farber and for the unit, We because everybody wants to help. And I said, okay, let's do baskets. They need prizes for their treasure boxes for when kids have these awful treatments that they have. They get these prizes. Let's do, let's do a drive and get prizes for them. We did a drive, and we had Dustin Bedroya come to the, to the um, school. So, you know, some cool – so we, it helped me give back because – by receiving, I was able to give more. Does that make sense? And I and I, I learned that by doing it. Absolutely. I mean, it's something. I don't know if it's pride or whatnot, but it's it's hard. It's really hard when I. I don't want to get off topic, but I remember I I struggled for a long time with my health and Crohn's disease, and I had a, you know, I had an ileostomy, and I didn't know what my life was going to be like with an ileostomy. But people wanted to like drive me everywhere. People wanted to cook for me and whatnot. And fortunately I have like solid parents, solid family, but others outside wanted to help out. And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And I, I don't, it's like your perspective there when you realize that, that people get as much enjoy, I don't want to call it enjoyment, but fulfillment by helping others and, and you denying that it's yeah. I gotta tell you too. I think it's, I don't know if it's so much pride, but I think so many of us strong people, like we, we equate strength with, I can do it. I don't need help. I am capable. I'm independent. I can do it. And I had to really learn that by, by asking for help and, and receiving help, it doesn't mean I wasn't strong and capable. It just helped me actually be stronger. And um, there, I, for me, it was important for me to have boundaries. Like there were, there were people all very generous and, and well-intentioned that were trying to like take over my life a little bit where it was like, you know, scheduling playdates, scheduling this, doing this for my kids. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate it, but I need to take over some of this because it helps me be normal and feel normal. So I had to kind of set some boundaries in that because I didn't want to give over my life, but I basically had to prioritize really like what was important for me. Is it important for me to provide a healthy meal for my family? Yes, but is it nice to have a meal already prepared? Yes, and it frees me up. Is it nice to have playdates and people driving my kids so I can you know, do other things? Absolutely. Is it nice to have people clean my house and do the laundry and take care of the lawn? Absolutely. It's like those little things. So I hear you. I mean, I think that we all need to kind of understand um, – where we're struggling, I guess, and what doesn't bring us joy and allow others to help us in those areas, right? And I think it's, it really, it's, it's this, we have a society that kind of 
tells people that they should be self-sufficient and you should be strong. And what does strong look like? I mean, I have a, a, a Facebook group. I, I big part of what I do is I call myself a warrior mom. And, um, you know, my, my oldest son is actually going into the Marines. And I think of warriors, warriors need to rest and reset. Warriors need to work as a team and everybody's got their function, right? You can't do everything on your own. The lone warrior doesn't succeed, right? So that's, just something that I tell myself. It's a mantra I've had to repeat in my head often. <laughs> well, it's, it's really super powerful. Um, you, you kind of opened this up and I wanna, I'm curious to like pull on this thread that as you were, um, as your son was in the hospital, you're, you're sharing with the nurses there, Reiki, right? And so I, I, as you shared that, I kind of felt like, well, maybe this is where you can, where you started getting the idea for maybe I can, help others with this, share, share what is. Um, so maybe talk a little about the origins of how you came about with deciding. I don't know if at the time you were still working as a nurse, but then transitioning over to coaching other people, whether it's in Reiki, personal training, the things, the skills you had learned for in, in working with your children that you decided to then help others learn and, and do the same. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I actually started my business, which is called Butterfly Family Wellness, after my second son was born. I kind of stepped away because it's really that experience that showed me where the gaps in healthcare were and what wasn't working in healthcare and where areas of support were needed, right? So that's when I got into the nutrition and the personal training I would do after school programs for kids because I adore kids and I felt like I was going to really help kids lead healthy, happy, connected lives, um, moving their body, understanding about nutrition, um, not, not as much of the mindfulness. But what I really learned was I can't really help a kid if they're the adults in their worlds have the same mentality and don't change their approach. So if the kid, if the parents don't, aren't present and aren't, aren't, aware of their own habits and their own messages that they're sending, it's really hard to change or impact the life of a kid. But when we start managing our own energy, our own stress level, our understanding and be aware of our own habits and, and own our stuff and be accountable for our own stuff, when we do that, we can then teach the, our kids to do the same thing. And we create just a, a, a more balanced life for our kids. So, I started doing that when my, when my son got, the third son got sick with leukemia, I actually had like a gym. I was teaching courses and cla you know, like classes for adults and kids and all that. Um, and I did have a friend of mine that sort of took that over for me, but again, wanted to get right back into it. Um, still didn't quite get the message of chill out Jen in that moment. But, um, and then sort of, with everything that happened with my son with leukemia um, and what happened to my own personal health a couple years later, when I realized I was completely burned out, that's really what shifted my path to more of a mindfulness, spiritual, emotional approach. Like on that the root cause of a lot of our ailments and illnesses that I was kind of putting band-aids on as a nurse, I really was able to help unpack the, the more energetic baggage. That's what when Reiki and the energy work came in is really getting deep in the, my intuitive connection, getting deep into what emotions have we stored? Where's the disconnect from our spirit to our body? You know, where is that disconnect? So that's, that's sort of started to evolve. And at that point, when I evolved in that, into that, um, I had already had the four kids. I had already kind of moved away from the the medical model um and went got really into the holistic healing i mean when my son was in the hospital for for cancer i remember wanting help nutritional support because i knew that the cells of the body really needed good nutrition in order to thrive and flourish and, and chemotherapy kills they're not discriminatory they kill all the cells so i knew i needed to help him boost that the um his immune system. I needed to help him regenerate those cells. So basically I asked the, the, you know, can I talk to a, a nutritionist? And they said, Oh, just get calories in them. And I wrote this book back here, family fuel kind of based on that because 
it's not just about getting calories in them. It's about like, what are those nutrients doing to the mind, the body and the spirit? Like, how are they going to help them heal? So, um, you know, I, that I, I became on a quest to help parents connect to that same thing and help us literally fuel and grow healthy kids, healthy families. You shared a couple of times that at, at some point you reached a, a, a place where you were burnt out, right? You've, you overspent yourself. Um, can you take us to what was it a specific moment in time that you can recall where you said or decided for yourself that I, I need to stop and, and focus on myself? And I ask you that not just because of like the experience of being burnt out, but I think if you interview or talk to a hundred people, a yeah. hundred adults will say that they're burnt out. They're tired from work. They're tired from family. They're tired from whatever. It may be. Yeah, stress. But how many actually take the time and the space to examine that for themselves and see what kind of care they need? What were you going through that you said, I need to take a pause and, and figure this out, examine where I'm at, where I want to be, and then make the choices or what kinds of choices did you make? to then help yourself and provide the self-care that you needed? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of twofold. The first point, as I had mentioned, I had a, um, a very atypical migraine. Everybody, a lot of people in my family, my childhood growing up, have migraines. So I was sort of just told, oh, it's a hereditary thing. Sorry, you get migraines. And I, I knew that dehydration, menstruation, so hormones, dehydration, overtired were like the trifecta to bring on a massive migraine. Um, so I usually knew how to, how to hopefully prevent the migraines from happening. But again, in my life at that time, super stressed, didn't have time for myself, was giving everything I had to everybody else. I had kids waking at all different times. So I was, you know, impossible to manage that, right? You can't control everything. I remember reading to one of my, to, yeah, I was reading to my son Brody. Um, I had a baby, you know, baby reading to my toddler um, and my other two were at school. And I, my husband was at Shriners Hospital, which was like 200 miles away. He volunteers there once, once a month, happened to be out there. He called for something and I dropped my speech. My whole right side went numb. And I was like, uh-oh something's not right here. And he was like, you have to call 911. And I said, I don't have time to call 911. Who's going to watch the kids? And he called a friend of ours to come over. He was thinking that friend was going to drive us, drive me to the hospital. I said, no, 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 you stay here with the kids. I'll drive myself to the hospital. <laughs> and that was sort of when I got there and everybody kind of told me how crazy I was and said, this is an, an atypical migraine, all this afterwards, uh, that was sort of my, okay, Jen, like something's got to give here. And then fast forward a couple of years, I again found out about this MTHFR. I was, I was, I was exhausted all the time. I was, um, wasn't able to lose weight. My hair was coming out. I, you know, I was losing my hair. I, um, I had all sorts of gastrointestinal issues and I was like, okay, I don't get it. I exercise every day. I'm eating all the right things. What's going on? And I went to my doctor who happened to be an integrative medicine doctor. And he said, you know, I saw in your chart, you have this MTHFR. Let me, oh, and I was depressed. I was really depressed. It was hard for me to kind of get out of this funk. Um, and I didn't want to take medication. Anyway, he showed me how stress affects MTHFR and basically your, your um, methylation. So needless to say, it was sort of that, that sort of the science brain clicked with the intuitive brain that said, girl, you gotta, you gotta change it up. This is not working for you. And if you want to continue to be here for your family, you got to show up for yourself. So that was sort of the aha moment for me. And then I started to really slow down, take my, you know, do more mindfulness, um, manage the stress better. Right. Which was mindfulness. Yeah. Um, no, I, I hear you on that. It's, it's, it's really, I think that's the challenge that 
few people want to dive into in their own lives, but they, we really ought to as people, because like, I can, I can sympathize with you. there, just sharing that oh, so many things going on there. There are times during, look, I, we had, I asked you <laughs> late last night, this morning to move this call because in the back, if I've got to close, I got to do this. I got to meet with client. And unless we take a, a moment and sometimes it, it seems like in your life, the universe knocks on your door and says, Hey, Jen, just in my life, Richard, in everybody's life, but I just listen. I know that they're knocking on my door. Everybody else is like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that's true. It's, it takes a lot of, and, and let me ask you that. Cause that's probably a very good question. And yeah. some people may call it, woo. what do you think is like the, what's the best way you would encourage? Cause next I want to talk into how you work with people at butter at, at butterfly family wellness. But what do you think you would recommend for people to start connecting with their intuition so that when the universe does come knocking for whatever purpose, yeah. that they're, they're able to, to hear that knock? Yeah. Great question. It's funny that you said woo-woo because I give talks to physicians and to surgeons. And I remember I was giving this one talk um, and to a group that my husband belongs to. And he said, you got to be careful with the woo-woo stuff. And I said, listen, I call myself a bridge because I'm able to sort of talk about intuition and yet grounded in science, right? Talk about energy, but grounded in science. Um, so I think that the first thing that everybody needs to do in our society that's like so busy, go, 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 do, 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 we have to stop and slow down. In order to really tune into the messages going on, you have to be still. And so many people run away. I was, I can't tell you, like even in with this COVID, this is an opportunity. This is like the prime time to connect to yourself and to tune into the messages. Um, but people are so afraid to get still and be silent with themselves because they're afraid of what's coming up. They're afraid of the the voices that come into their head. And so one of the things about mindfulness is. It is about being present in the moment and noticing what's happening in your mind, in your body, without attachment and without judgment. That's the hard part for people is the attachment and the judgment because thoughts come, we anchor and we attach to those thoughts and then we believe them to be true when nine times out of 10, they're not true. It's just a story that comes in our head. So, the first thing I would tell people to do is to try a meditative practice where they just try a breathing meditation to breathe and tune into their body. Because a lot of times we somaticize or we, we um, disconnect from our body. Like we don't want to feel the feelings, right? We don't want to feel because, or we don't have time like me. I don't have time, right? It's important that we stop for a moment. I call them mindful moments. I'm not one that can sit and meditate for hours. For me, it's like a two to five, maybe 10 minute practice tops. And I have on my YouTube channel, I've got all sorts of mindful moment meditations. Um, and they're just ways, again, not woohoo, but to connect to what's going on in your body right now. What's happening in your body? Can you, with your breath, calm your nervous system down because really that's what it is. Stress is fight or flight, right? It's the sympathetic nervous system. We are in a overwhelm fight or flight constantly. So the key is to stop, take some deep breaths and reset the nervous system, reset the stress response, get into your parasympathetic nervous system. It takes two minutes. That's it. Two minutes of breathing to calm your heart rate, calm your nervous system and anchor into your body. And that breath, when you tune into your body, gives you something to think about instead of all the things going in your brain. And then once you tune into your body, then you can sort of notice, okay, what is that? Why am I feeling that tension? Why am I feeling this this way? What is the story in my head? And then start questioning that story. Is it true? Is it not true? And is this mine? Because sometimes we feel things. And if you're em if you're an empath, which is somebody who picks up the energy around you and the emotions around you, you're going to feel some things that oftentimes aren't even yours. You know, kids are natural empaths. So kids pick up energy all the time. If you're a stressed parent or you're a stressed teacher, guess what? You're going to create stress in your classroom. You're going to create stress in your home. So the first thing to do is to anchor and tune in and reset your own nervous system. 
That's what I work with people on. That's what I teach people about. Um, and, and honestly, I realize it's not just about nutrition. It's not, you can be the healthiest eater in the world, but sometimes we follow these trends and what everybody else says to do. And it actually throws us out of balance. It stresses our body. Or what do you do when you wake up in the middle of the night? Cause your mind can't slow down and you're not getting sleep, which lack of sleep is a stressor. You do a body scan meditation. That's what I do. I literally stop. I breathe and I tune into my body and I consciously relax each muscle of my body. And the next thing I know, I'm back asleep. So it's just practice. I've been working with my, my son, the one who had the stroke, who's 18 right now, tremendous anxiety. And I've been working with him on the mindfulness because I said it's, it's a practice. It's not something that, oh, my God, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I need, I, I need where's that tool? right? You can't find your tools if you put them in a closet someplace and you forget about them. You got to practice every day. And then all of a sudden you notice, wow, I'm not as stressed. Wow. I'm more relaxed. Wow. I'm not attaching to those thoughts as much as I used to. So that's it. Yeah. That's, that's super powerful. And and really practical too. Um, I think I've struggled for a long time with meditation because you think it's hard half hour practice, but increasingly I've been trying to give myself two minutes of space, five minutes of space doing just that. With a minute. I mean, this is the thing. And this is my biggest frustration with so many. This is why there's an eye roll with yoga and mindfulness is there's so many practitioners that make it unattainable. These big grandiose practices that are like mantras and lifestyles, you have to make it realistic to your life. And so for me, realistic is mindful moments, literally taking a moment to stop and pause. I tell my husband, I literally texted my husband the other day. It's beautiful outside. If you can step outside and turn your face up to the sun and take three deep breaths because he is a stressful, he's a surgeon. He's a very stressful job, but like that alone is enough to just reset your nervous system. And guess what? When we're in fight or flight, we can't think rationally, but when you calm your nervous system, all of a sudden you can think rationally. You can be like, okay, wait, what is the problem here, right? What's going on? And manage it. As you said, that's very accessible. Yeah. I, I want to dive now as we start wrapping up to how you work, who you work with and how you work with people um, with Butterfly Family Wellness. What's, what's the experience like? Who's someone who may be listening, where, you, where they're located, who might be a good fit to reach out to you and maybe some triggers why they may want to reach out to you? Yeah, Um I, my niche usually is with women and moms, um, but I definitely have worked with men. Um, I've worked, I have plenty of clients that are not moms that aren't even married. That's fine. Basically, I love to help people that are completely overwhelmed with their life, that are um, feeling stressed, that are type A, that sort of feel like they have to do and be and show up for everybody, but they don't know how to show up for themselves. And I like to help them learn how to tame the chaos of their own life so they can start to take back control of their own health and happiness. One step, one choice, one moment at a time. And I, I do not believe in a one size fits all philosophy. I feel like everybody has um, something unique to them. They have unique lives and whatever whatever choices they make have to be realistic to their lifestyle to their belief systems, to their values, and to their philosophies. So I'm not going to project mine onto somebody else. I'm going to get to help people connect to, and I use intuition. I do connect to your spiritual guides, um, which is kind of woo-woo, I get, but it's just the way I work. Although if you work with me, you don't even know I'm doing it. (laughs) So it's not like I have this big ceremony. It doesn't need to be that. I think the important thing is, for people to just recognize. So people that are recognizing that where I was, I'm completely burned out. Stress is ruling my life. I know I need to be more present in my life. I know that stress is the underlying cause of all the imbalances going on. I just don't know where to start. That's the person that maybe needs to reach out and give me a call. Very cool. Um, now, you, you've also authored or contributed to a couple of books. You mentioned the one behind you, Family Fuel. Where can people get access to your books if they want to? I think you can contri- or also have, um, it might be a chapter or more, but the Wellness Universe Guide. Yes. 
I wrote a book. I wrote a chapter in here that's all about what I told you guys, um, which is pause with purpose and how to reset the nervous system so you can start to take back control. Um, and that is, you can get both of my books, Family Fuel and this complete guide to self-care on Amazon. Um, and the, the, the complete guide to self-care has a bunch of different perspectives. So if, if, you know, one resonates with you, great. If one doesn't, there's probably another one in there that does. So, and it's, it's great. There's so many practitioners out there that want to help that truly have their own personal experience that has helped them get to a place where they feel like I need to share this with others. For me, it happened to be my pause with purpose, which is the stop and connect to yourself in the moment. So. Great. Yeah. Definitely link those up in the show notes. Jen, how else can people connect with you? There's butterflyfamilywellness.com. We've got the two books. I know you mentioned your, your YouTube channel and that you also uh, host a, a Facebook group. Um, yes. So what are the ways that people who listen to you on this episode can connect with you? Yeah, awesome. So my YouTube channel, if you just search YouTube, Jennifer Rentolo, that'll come up. Um, I just actually posted something that I did with three other practitioners about how to get better sleep. We did one on stress as well. So I have things like that, plus meditations. Um, my Facebook group, that's a private Facebook group. You just have to answer some questions to join. That's called Warrior Moms on a Mission. Um, I am on uh, Instagram, Jen Rentolo. Um, LinkedIn, Jennifer Rentolo. And um, if people have questions, they could reach out to me, Jen, J-E-N, at butterflyfamilywellness.com. Very cool. Again, definitely link those up all in the show notes. Jennifer, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing such vulnerable stories in your life. I mean, it's not, um, it's not easy to do so, I think, um, especially outside of maybe friends and family or whatnot. But I really do appreciate you sharing so intimately the details of your life and, and your journey here. Um, as we close out, how can, uh, what, I, what are some parting thoughts and parting words that you may have for people who listen to this episode? Yeah, just that really the keys to finding your own health and happiness are all within you. You just need to learn how to stop and connect to the messages and really find that own, your, your own inner strength and your own inner peace. And that when you be, when you are in the present moment, that is where you are the most powerful. Super awesome. Everyone, Jennifer Rentolo, Butterfa butterflyfamilywellness.com. Again, I'll link that all up in the show, show notes. And with that, Jennifer, once again, thank you very much. I appreciate you sharing so much. And until next time, AR Nation, take care, be well, bye for now.